Hi, Bill. You look happy. That's because we're about to share another Soul Talks conversation with our friends. It is fun to picture the faces of you who are listening, men and women in ministry and business, small group leaders, counselors, and spiritual directors, students, parents, and grandparents. We're thankful for your love and service to Christ. If you're new to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, welcome. We're glad to have you in our community. We invite you into our home as we talk for the next 20 minutes on life, love, and leadership with Jesus. So I was having a conversation the other day with a pastor who was struggling with um, abusing pain pills. And he had uh, some medical work done for, uh, had to have a surgery and and so forth. And, you know, the doctor prescribed the pain pills and he needed that to get through this very hard recovery and, and of course, the surgery itself and so forth. And, And then he, some months later, he talked to me and said, you know, I'm still using those pain pills and I'm finding that I'm using them to cope with my stress and, mm. and difficult emotions I'm having. Mm. You know, that is the most commonly abused substance in America among white collar people is taking pain pills for reasons other than they're prescribed for. Yeah. It's so subtle how that happens, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. how do you differentiate physical pain and emotional distress? And there's just going to be a lot of overlap there. And You'd be taking the pain pill just to sort of deal with the stress. And of course, there's an interaction between stress and pain on top of it. And so, but before you know it, you find yourself using pain pills to just sort of calm yourself down when you're feeling agitated or anxious or just overstressed because the kids are just, you know, making you want to pull your hair out or you just feel exhausted and depleted from your work. Well, and it feels like it works. Yeah, it provides sort of a, a sense of relief and a sense of, uh, okay, I'm going to be okay. I, c- I can manage this. And so it, it seems like it's helping you. And in terms of coping mechanism, it sort of is helping, but it's deadening the emotions and it's deadening yourself. Well, for some people, though, they feel like their emotions are too much and they feel like that's actually makes them maybe more loving or more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they can be more relaxed and maybe even sort of more happy. It's the same thing for someone I was talking to who, you know, uses marijuana for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what people maybe don't realize in this situation is that when you're, this is really a way of repressing your emotions and you're using the pain pills or the marijuana to do that, to calm that down and to not feel that so much. And so emotions don't just go away. They go into our body and, you know, more or less, this is something that we maybe all struggle with internalizing emotions and you don't have to be abusing a substance to be doing that. It's just a a way we have different defense mechanisms of denial and repression and projection and reaction formation, you know, and different intellectualization going into our heads and different ways that we cope and they're natural. But when we're doing those without thinking about it and we're not coming back to, okay, so what is it I feel? What is it I need? What's going on here? What's stressing me? If we don't come back to that and bring that into a relationship, then a part of us gets lost, disconnected, is out of relationship, out of being loved, and it eventually just dies. Yeah. Well, this, that's one of the concerns that makes me sad as I think about you know this pastor and other people I know that have struggled with this is that it doesn't feel like to them in the moment they're not realizing it, 
But they're really, by, by taking the substance or whatever they're doing to try to numb the feeling, they're really cutting themselves off from God and his comfort for them. Because yeah. they're, t- they're trying to take care of themselves. They're trying to comfort themselves or cope. They're depending upon their, themselves being able to fix this painful emotion or this stress. Rather than seeking the compassion of the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And of course, that can be elusive to us, particularly if we're you know really tired or we're just overstressed or maybe we're in one of those spiritually dry seasons and it can feel like, God's out of touch and it's not tangible how to get that comfort, that relief, that strength that I need. But, well, yeah, and that's where I, I need a Christ ambassador. That's where sometimes I need to go to somebody and ask them to listen to me, mm-hmm. to pray for me, to help contain some of the emotion. Yeah, and so when we're not doing that, when we're not getting the, the support that we need, in relationship with a, a trustworthy friend, who someone who can keep a confidence, and someone who is a good listener, and there, you know, if, if you're tuning into us now and you're feeling, well, who would that be? I mean, that's something to pray about because there's mm-hmm. there's probably somebody in your life, and if there's not, then you you want to really start looking for that person, and maybe you you want to get in a support group, go to uh, kinds of church services, you know, like recovery meetings, and emotionally healthy spirituality groups where this kind of stuff is talked about and processed because people that are looking for that kind of help are more likely to be that kind of a friend. Yeah, well, that's really important what you're saying, Bill, because it is very vulnerable and it is a risk. And so we need, if we're going to share our feelings with somebody, it needs to be somebody who's safe, somebody who can keep confidence, somebody who's not going to gossip about us, somebody who's understanding and compassionate and empathetic and not going to try to fix us. Or tell yeah. us we just shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, they need to be a, a giver of grace and be gentle with truth and sort of hesitant mm-hmm. to to give truth. But mostly they need to be people who, instead of sort of dispensing Bible verses, just become that Bible verse and mm-hmm. manifest that love and, and grace of Christ and uh, wisdom of Christ and just the way that they listen, the way that they interact, the way that they care. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. And that's what we want to be as people. And see, that's part of what's so sad. So in this man that I was talking with and what I was helping him to realize is that by uh, continuing to use those pain pills, he was shoving down his emotions and that was diminishing his sense of experiencing the moment. And he was missing out on life. And of course, this is, you know, a a conversation and being very gentle with this because I'm not wanting to, you know, judge him and say, you know, you you shouldn't do this or this isn't good or, you know, gee, um, you know, God wouldn't want you to be using the pain pills this way. I mean, that's sort of moralizing or prescribing the appropriate behavioral way to be is just, it's hurtful to people. And, and that, that actually shuts down emotions when we do that to people. We might mean to be helpful, but when we just kind of give them truth and unsolicited advice, it's really not very helpful. And so I was, of course, very tenderly, you know, drawing him out and helping him to sort of look at his behavior and what he's doing with his emotions and then begin to help him look at the effect that was having on him. And so we were talking about a situation where his son came home and his nine-year-old son and had a project from school that he had done, an art project. He was, you know, real excited and proud to share with his parents. And as he's my friend, as he's looking at this, he, he sees everything that's going on and he's, he's registering it all in, in terms of he knows this is important to his son and he's glad that his son is sharing it, but he's not really feeling connected. He's not really feeling even the joy and he's not able to be emotionally present for his son. 
And he certainly wasn't there for the part of the story where his son was disappointed because he had shared his art project with one of his friends and the, and the friend just kind of made a, a silly comment about it mm. and you know really hurt the little yeah. boy's feelings because yeah. he's a you know a budding creative artist here you know and so when his son was sharing that the father didn't really we didn't have empathy to give he didn't draw him out he didn't really engage deeply with that because he'd been shutting down his emotions and he's been you know going down this path for a while now well I'm so glad he talked to you because we tend to get ashamed and keep those kind of things secretive. And then they tend to just really grow when they're in the dark and we bring it into the light, into relationship, then, then we can get free. Yeah. So there's a saying in the 12 steps about, well, as it relates to emotional distress and anger and fear and negative emotions like this, well, don't act it out, talk it out. Mm. You know, learn how to bring that emotion not into drinking alcohol or overworking or you know, going shopping to be in a, a beautiful, perfect world and have the power to get something that's going to make you, you know, look better. And don't act out the emotion that way. Talk it out. Mm-hmm. Find somebody safe to process your experience, your feelings, your desires, your needs. And then when you bring it into relationship now, there's caring, there's bonding, and now you're, you're going to grow in self-awareness. You're going to grow in your, your sense of self is going to become stronger, more full, more alive, more present. And then now on the other side of that, you're going to have more ability to give listening and validation of what somebody else is feeling and to really notice and, and attend to and care for the, the deeper person that you're with there. Yeah, and we can cry out to God in that same way and be honest with the Lord and, and confessing our emotions and what we're feeling and even our temptation to want to numb or try to kill the feelings or escape them. And the Lord tells us to cry out to him. And we have all kinds of examples in scripture of psalmists crying out to God in pain with painful emotion and negative emotion, being honest there with that. And I, I know yep. that's been helpful for me. I often, if I'm you know, overwhelmed with emotion or having emotion and, you know, you're not available. Oftentimes I'll have to like get out and go for a walk. And then as I'm walking, I can kind of cry out to God and just kind of tell him what I'm feeling and express, you know, all the emotions and kind of vent (laughs) my emotions and in a prayer of crying out and confessing them to the Lord. One of the Psalms that illustrates this that I've turned to at times is Psalm 55. It's a great example of a lament And it's uh, one of David's psalms. And he begins his psalm saying, Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. And I think how often I've approached the Lord that way, Mm -hmm. often in a psalm or indirectly through you or through a friend that I asked to listen to me. And uh, and then he he goes on and there's just all these uh, emotion feeling words. He says in verse two, my thoughts trouble me. And I am distraught and just more feeling words are suffering and anguish and terror, fear, trembling, horror. Later on, he talks about feeling angry and feeling betrayed when his close companion, his close friend, who he had once enjoyed sweet fellowship with at the house of God, you know, has rejected him and turned on him, mistreated him. There's more anger. He talks about feeling that his friend has manipulated him. And so there's all these, you know, feeling words here, vulnerability and authenticity and expression of need and brokenness and 
clearly this is right in the heart of our Bible because God is saying, well, this is part of life. You know, we've all got this stuff going on and difficult things that we experience. And so it's important that we're honest about these things. Ouch is what I say as I listen to you read all those emotions. I just say, ouch, those are painful. Those really hurt. Yeah. And that's what your pastor is feeling. It's Mm -hmm. like, ouch, (laughs) it's painful. Yeah. And the other thing I think we feel when we pray a psalm like this one is, thank you, Lord, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Somebody else feels this way. And so the psalm becomes like a mirror to reflect back what I'm experiencing and to give me words. Yes. And to validate it. I mean, it's in the Bible. So how, how could it be any more normalized and made uh, acceptable that, okay, this is my experience. God understands and cares. That's really, really important because I know my temptation is to feel shame when I'm feeling all these negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, well, what's wrong with me that I'm feeling all of this? I should just be forgiving this person that's sinned against me. God says to bless and love my enemies. And here, you know, I'm feeling all this painful emotion and I, mm-hmm. I turn on myself. Yeah. And of course, what Psalm 55 helps us get to that point where mm-hmm. we, we could love our enemy and pray for those that persecute us. But first we need to have, get pulled out of shame mm-hmm. by someone's compassion. And of course, God is the author of perfect compassion. And we've got that expressed here in the Psalm. And so I love in the psalm some of my favorite lines here. You know, you were asking earlier about sort of the difference between when we are using pain pills or it could be wine or something that we're using to kind of numb out the emotion and it feels like it calms it down. It feels like so that that's helpful. That's okay. And it helps me to be more productive and maybe be more positive and be not anxious. So it, it seems like, well, this is helping me. And we don't realize that well, you know, actually, you know, we're deadening that emotion and it's really a part of myself, my inner person that I'm rejecting and, and putting off. And so now there's less of me, less of my presence, less of my capacity, less energy to be able to offer support and care and love and encouragement to others. And we don't realize that's what we're doing at the mm-hmm. time. And so you were asking the question, okay, so what's the difference between sort of like a false comfort that's not healthy and not good and in true comfort. And that this Psalm is a great example of that. You know, David says, Oh, that I had wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Now, at first glance, that might seem like, Oh, he just wants to escape. And it might seem like, yeah, that's kind of what actually what's kind of what we do when we're engaging in compulsive behavior substance abuse. But if we think about it more deeply, it's like, well, no, wait a minute. You know, David is writing this psalm at a time when he's not in the desert. And over time, he actually learned that the desert, while it was a lot of, he was in the wilderness and there were many trials that he was experiencing there. And so many of the laments come from those times, but it became a place of comfort for him because of the way he met the Lord in these caves Mm. and the way that he prayed. So it's actually, he's talking about a shelter is a very relational and intimate experience. Mm. And that's what we're missing when we're engaging in compulsive behavior. Mm-hmm. Because we do it alone. Mm-hmm. There's no intimacy in using pain pills. Mm-mm. That's pulling you out of relationship, mm-hmm. out of trust and vulnerability and just pulling out of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and then David uh, goes on later in the psalm, some great lines here, starting in verse 16, he says, 
Uh, and again, you know, he's been processing these feelings of uh, fear and anxiety and anger and just, you know, being honest and, and putting words to it and, and talking to God about this. And then he says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. See, now that's another way of saying the Lord has empathy mm-hmm. for me. That's right. He's feeling my feelings. I'm not alone. He's really with me. He really understands. He validates the bigness of this. Yeah, and he contains them for me. Yeah, he contains. I love that. I know what you mean by that, but I don't think our listeners know what you mean by well, that. Well, as, as scripture talks about God, you know, he gathers our tears in a bottle. It's, mm. And it's mm-hmm. like he actually will receive our pain into him. Mm-hmm. If He'll take it from us. And so just like when I was a mom holding my young baby who was crying, I would be containing their emotion. I'd be helping them by letting them express it, letting them cry it out. And I, but I was holding them so they didn't harm themselves. They didn't harm anybody else. And so in my containing that emotion, they would calm down. They would get free of it. That's a great picture of that, holding a child who's distressed until they calm down. So when you talk about containing emotions, you're certainly not talking about denying them. No, not repressing. Or making them go away. Mm-mm. You're talking about holding those emotions. Mm-hmm. Like that emotional part of you is like a little child part that needs to be cared for. Yeah. With patience and, and kindness to begin to settle down in your arms there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I don't think we, th- we think about it that way when we're feeling negative emotions, sadness, grief, uh, whatever it might be, and it's not pleasant mm-hmm. and it, it's difficult and it takes energy. So it feels like that emotion is getting in the way. And so it feels like to get rid of it just kind of like helps us to function better. But it doesn't because it just goes into our body. That's what the unconscious is. It's like that it's going into our body and now it's going to start draining us of energy and it's going to start creating some bodily symptoms Sickness, even disease, all that stress is getting internalized and packed in there. And then it's going to come out in, in reactions mm-hmm. that, don't, that don't make sense. Yeah. It's because, well, we've been pushing it down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us, we, you know, we learn to do that as kids and we don't even know we're doing it. It's just we've always been living that way. And so I love that just to close the loop on your uh, comment about he, he collects my tears in his bottle. That's uh if you know, if our listeners don't know that verse, that's Psalm fifty-six, eight in the New Living Translation, and such a precious picture. In fact, let's just close for a moment with a a prayer using that verse there. Abba, Father, you are so good, so compassionate, so tender with us. What a God you are! Praise you, Lord, that you would even collect all of our tears in your bottle. Each tear precious to you. You say you record it in your book there in that Psalm, Psalm 56. Thank you, Lord. In all of our worries and our frustrations, whatever it is that we feel, you are interested and you have compassion. You want to be close to hold us. Help us feel loved. Help us to settle down. Yes, Lord. This is our source of energy and strength, our source of love to be able to overflow and be a a blessing and an encouragement to the people around us and our family, the people that we minister to. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this episode of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. 
You'll find all our podcasts on soulshepherding.org. And while you're there, we hope you'll have fun discovering our other free resources to bless your soul and ministry. On Facebook, you can receive a daily encouraging word or prayer for me. Just friend Bill Galtier or follow Soul Shepherding. Until next time, let's keep in conversation with Christ.